Hey, Brenna. Yes? I thought this would be a funny opening. You know, like the sloths from Utopia. <laughs> but it's not. Help. It's fun fiction. Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen. The show, it's a fan's eye for the movie guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, just trying, I'm just trying new things out every single week. I am your host, one of them, Scotty Moore. And I am your host, the other one of them. Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's Brenna Clark, that's all you need to know. It's good, it's good, whatever. Um, so Brenna, we're talking about, I know we said the Adventure Zone was probably what turned us into mega friends, or ultra friends. This week we're getting into what made us super friend territory. Yeah. Because, like, I just remember, anytime I, because I don't see movies often, or I didn't, until I started doing a, sh- a show on the internet where I had to. You're welcome. So anytime... Yeah, so anytime I did see a movie, I would have to be like, well, let's see what, because B definitely saw it. B ain't got anything going on. <laughs> let's just see what she thought. Girl, no, I squat at a local movie theater and just take in movies day in, day out. You go from theater to theater like a roving gang of one. Yeah. Just go. Because if I stay at one too long, then they'll figure it out and kick me out, and I can't have that. Exactly. I never. Uh, off topic, but did you ever, like, do that? Where you would go, like, you would buy a ticket for one... Squad at movie theaters? What? Yes! No, did you ever, like, buy a ticket for one movie and then go see another one? No, because I am a wholesome girl. Thank you very much. I But seriously, no. I may or may not have purchased a, pick, a ticket to High School Musical 3 senior year with the sole intense purpose of being a 16-year-old that got to see Zack and Mary make a porno. I I waited for that to come out on DVD like a good person. I'm sorry. Um, but speaking of good and wholesome, the, I feel like the reason <laughs> this made us friends is because this was our first This Is Us moment in a movie. Because you're old Judy Hopps and I'm old Nick Nikki Wilde. Nikki Wilde? Nikki Wilde! Which I feel like is also why... I get very uncomfortable, or I got very uncomfortable while looking up fan fiction for this movie. Because why they make them bone and everything? I don't... I wish I could tell you. I guess people have a thing for that, but I don't know why. Well, no, even then, like, I would think you would respect the... the, the boundaries between Fox and Bunny and how that wouldn't work. Like, Well... I mean, I get it in a way because the different species of animal are supposed to be like different races, the equivalent of. So in in a 
metaphorical it's a bi- sense. It's a biracial relationship between a Yes. Boss. Okay. I'm fine. Yeah. And, like, I understand it because Nick and Judy, like, they got the most chemistry of all time between two characters on, t- like, of anything ever. Yeah. I mean, but to me, it was always just like, and maybe I'm just naive, but I'm like, it's friendship chemistry. They're like, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I think it's because he's a fucking fox and she's a bunny rabbit that I was like, he's not putting his dick in that. Like, oh, I God. Like, I feel like that's what made it for me, Brenna, not the whole, uh, what's their chemistry say with me? I'm like, what does their DNA say? And um, that does feel problematic to say, but you know what I mean. See, that's why I'm like, you can't, like, I see what where we're coming from with the, with, like, the, the animal aspect of it. Like, no, a fox is gonna eat a rabbit. But not like that. And, but, yeah, the way that Disney, yeah, it's just a, it's a big rabbit hole, for lack of a better word, that we might not order to dump down. I made a mistake. <laughs> I made what did you a do? mistake. I was. What is your mistake? Because I'm like the animal kingdom. Multiple things happen. Has anyone filmed a fox banging a bunny rat? Oh no! You did not just Google that. I did, and there's a lot of bad. Oh wait, there's fan fiction. Oh god! Oh, and it's a. This is not what we've come here for. And it's uh, Brenna. Fun fact: It's Zootopia based. We're not reading it. I don't. <laughs> Thank the Lord Jesus. God, there's no good title. I can't read out any of these links without us getting kicked off of iTunes. But no, going back to like the whole allegory of, you know, like, it's kind of muddled, their allegory, because like 1% of the population is, uh, or I think it was 10% in the movie, 10% of the population were predators, but also they run like the country which I feel like is a 1% allegory, but then later in the film, the Predators become like an allegory for, like, racism and stuff. Well, I do feel like they were trying to say a lot of different things. Yeah. But I I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing. But see, I didn't didn't catch the, um, the Predators running the city part. I was... Mainly just into the predators versus prey, yeah, yeah, thing. Now I will say I would love for like Werner Herzog or some like director who makes those real nasty movies to do a remake of this with humans because, oh. <laughs> like, I just love this concept of a crazy old white woman who starts to brainwash uh, all the other races into attacking people and like controlling them wait a minute i I was about to say (laughs) brenna i think zootopia might be the kitty movie version of get out yeah it really is no no joke i was my fan fiction this week i was going to write out the plot of get out and just replace the character names oh god Nick went to Judy's grandparents' house for the weekend. No, you can't do that. Have you seen Get Out? I know. You get no, not Judy. Oh, it's fixing to say yeah. The twist at the end would definitely kind of hurt the Judy, but it's okay. No, it's not. No, yeah, you're right. But you know, 
it's all fine because Nick Wilde is my spirit animal. True. Can you tell? Can you tell? I'm just going down my note list and just kind of reading what I'm saying. Oh, I haven't even looked at mine. I've just been riffing, just spitting it. You're just spitting it. But yeah, like I remember the minute I saw Nick. Like this was also during a time where I was really into like hustling. Like I used to hustle pool and whatnot. So like the Nick Wilde, I was like, yes. I feel you on a spiritual level. Like the scene where it shows them like all the kind of the full process he goes through to turn one uh, popsicle into like multiple tiny popsicles that he sells for like, Oh, Oh, I love those popsicles. I loved that shit. You know, they have like molds for that online, right? I do, but I want the ones that he made specifically. (laughs) Yeah. I want the ones that have his funk on it because let's let us not forget it was his paws that were making the molds. Yeah, but listen, if I if I try to make one at home, it's not going to be as good. You know that. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be made fresh by Nick. Nick yeah, Wild. Nick Wilde. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, like, what's up with all of these movies? Like that are meant for kids that we've watched that just have some real intense moments. Well, I I think that Disney's trying to instill some things in children as well as uh, holding up a mirror to the parents and being like, hey, look, do you do this? Don't do this. Because, I mean, you... You yeah, know, that, Dis- that Disney trope where they're just like, are there any racists in the audience? Exactly. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Walt Disney himself walks out. Hello, I know you thought I've been dead or cryogenically frozen, but I've just been waiting to bust some sick racists. <laughs> I'm going to destroy all of you right now. But no, Come like up to the front we... and stand in the corner and think about what you did. Think about it. Think, sir, sir, I know you say you got that rebel flag from Hot Topic. Oh, God. And it's just like a funny thing. But no, we all know it's just offensive. Come up here. Take that um, off. <laughs> take, take it off. Strip for Oh, me. if you've got it tattooed. Oh, God. Take that off, too. Take off your skin. I'm Walt Disney. <laughs> but no, I meant like not just intense in like the subject matter. I meant like just the fucking scene with the panther. My God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some violence. There was some violence. They make a reference to Breaking Bad. Yes. And at the end where Nick pretends to eat Judy, like that's traumatizing. It was traumatizing, but also possibly one of my favorite moments. Not the fact that I, was I mean, like, yes, no, not the fact that he's killing her, but like the fact that it kind of had that nice callback to her scene at the beginning of the movie. Yes, like, that was so sweet. And now let's get on to something that can just eat a whole dick, and it's Mayor Bellwether. Oh my God! Talk about the reveal of the century. Like I loved her up until. She was like, yo, I'm bad, bitch. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, that was a moment where, like, she was kind of just, like, a secondary character to me. So I didn't think about her of, like, a, oh, she's really sweet or anything. I was just like, ah, oh, it's that 
as that fucking lady. And then at the end, I was like, you piece of shit. Because it was one of those things things that I called right before it happened. I was like, wait a minute. I bet it's Bellwether. I bet it's that. And then it came up. and She's bad. It's her. Brenna. What? Brenna, we can't do. We we have to stop doing the show now because you've said the funniest thing that we're going to say. (laughs) Take it. I guess we know the title of the episode. <laughs> no, how do you spell out the word bad? It's just like it's a long ass. It's B-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
well, any underwater life at all, because they figured it would be too weird to have them trying to walk around and stuff, and that there are some scenes where they are selling fish at a market, so I think that maybe they're all pescatarians? Maybe? Oh, God. I don't know. So this isn't, like, all the... This is, like, mammal land, and that's it. Cause no. Not yeah, that's the other thing, birds is that either. they're... I forget why they didn't do birds, but they... I read that they... I think they didn't want birds because um, they didn't want to have things flying. They wanted to have them just walking on yeah. two legs like humans, and it would be weird to have, like, birds with wings walking when they have wings. a massive bird walking down the street, but still, like... A full pigeon shape, but he can't fly, he just kind of walks. Yeah, it would be extremely awkward. Oh, Brenna, you got that pun in. <laughs> um, I'm bringing them all in! Yeah. Now, I will say, there is a scene that I... I will say is a funny scene, but I don't think it deserves the love that it gets. And I know we've already referenced it once on this show, so I'm sounding a bit hypocritical. But that sloth scene is just not the best. You don't think so? I don't think it's the best scene. In, like, it's a scene in the movie. It's definitely... Oh, yes, it's definitely a scene. But I don't think it's, like, number one at all. Like, everyone's like, the sloth scene, the sloths, they're so funny. I'm like, no. The scene where they go see Tommy Chong, who's just this dirty-ass hippie, who clearly they all smoke weed. And that scene was my favorite because it was like throwing throwing trash at all the old cartoons that would have animals walking around without clothes on. Right. And that was the scene where they're like, no, we're actually going to discuss this. We're going to talk about the fact that these boys naked. Like Pooh Bear doesn't wear pants. Uh huh. Pooh Bear's just like full hog out the whole time. I'm sorry, full Eeyore out the whole time. I really so wait. What was your favorite scene from the movie? Was it sloth? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, that would uh, I think probably it would be um when Nick and Finnick went into the popsicle shop and Finnick was dressed up as the baby elephant. Which, by the way, oh my god, there, yes. There are so many parallels between Finnick and Baby Herman that I just put together that it's scary. So now, the, now the end of the show is stay away from Finnick Fox Hitler. Hey, oh, I was about to say, that'll be an okay shirt, but then you added Hitler onto it and then never mind. Stay away from that Fennec Fox. And the Fennec Fox just looks like normal, but he's got a Hitler mustache. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, like, I think also the scenes, the scene with, like, Judy and Nick where they're riding in, like, that, that, like, car that took them apart. Like, the car in the sky that takes them down and help. Uh, uh, uh chairlift? Chairlift, that's sky what it is. Yeah. Wait, is it? You've seen the movie more than I have. Well, I don't know what it's called. No. Yeah. The the chair, that was a very sweet scene. Like, all the really sweet scenes were awesome. I, I will say, this movie is less good about scenes as much as it is quotes. Yeah. It's infinitely quotable. Yeah, because I was trying to think of things, like, scenes, and I was like, well, it's more just, like, moments i guess yeah, yeah yeah like the uh 
dumb bunny, uh, what was it? Sly, Sly Fox, yeah. That was such a good line. And I was like, I'm stealing this. And anytime I do some like dope shit, I'm going to send that to people as a gift. <laughs> yeah, that one was good. Um, I really, I'm just keep coming back to that scene at the end where like, he's eating her. Except he's not eating her. He's just pretending to eat her. Because he got shot with a blueberry. Yeah, that carrot is probably the biggest, like, a, 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 like resolution com- bringer of all time, is that little carrot thing she has. Dude, they sell those. I know, right? Now, wait, hold on. I, I think they sell multiple versions, because I saw one once that also has, like, a notepad you can pull out oh. and then write on that. And then there's one that actually records and is also a pen. See, like there's a bunch of different. My things. friend that dressed up with me for Halloween, she was Judy, and she had one. I guess that recorded stuff and was a pen. I don't think it pulled out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, also, I just I am a little bit salty that you uh, you did a Nick and Judy cosplay where I was not involved, but it's fine. Dogs, well, whatever. to be fair, it was my friend's idea, and at least I wasn't Judy. And I was, <laughs> and I was also in Florida at the time. Yeah, so I can't help that. Yeah, exactly. I made a rockin' Nick though. You were. It was an adorable little Nick that you had. In fact, this week, I think... Thank you, thank you. This week, I think, for the main, like, our main picture on YouTube, it's not even gonna be a clip from the movie. It's just gonna be you as as Nick. I support this. Mm-hmm. Done. Now, my favorite thing about this movie, and it's something that I've not been able to get into, is, like, the the alternative things that they did in other countries, like that one scene with the, uh, what is he? I can't remember what he is in our country, but it's the news reporter. And in our country, I think he's a dog, maybe? Mm, I can't remember. I know the one from Australia is a koala, right? Yeah, the one from Australia is a koala. The one from um, England, no, the one from Canada is a moose. Oh, a moose, eh? He's a moose. I'm trying to. I'm on the Wikipedia page right now, just looking up. Oh shit! I forgot that was Kristen Bell. Oh yeah, the girl sloth. Yes, she was Lady Sloth. <laughs> Lady Sloth. Also, can we? Jo- oh wait, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Peter Moosebridge, the Moose co-anchor of ZNN News. And okay, he he's used in the U.S., Italy, France, Canada, Russia, and Mexico. He's based on a real dude named Peter Mansbridge. Yeah, well, that's also the person who voices yeah. him. Uh, the UK, the UK version, he's named Musos Alexander, voiced by Fasos Alexander. Um, in other countries, was a different animal. David Campbell was a koala. The Brazilian uses a dr- jaguar. Uh, the Japanese was a tanuki. That makes me excited. And the Chinese it was an unnamed giant panda. Such good choices, all. Like, it's so good all around. Now I'm just, like, going through all these little fun facts I can read about Zootopia. I did that. Including the fact... You're like, I did that already. Why didn't you prep? 
Also, like, just the voice acting in this film. Yeah. Spot on. That was one of my things, is that they picked, like, the most perfect actors for the whole cast. Idris Elba is my spirit animal. I love him so much. He makes me angry. What? Why does Idris Elba... Not him, but his character. Oh, okay, where he's just like... Well, you're a bunny. And well, therefore... Yes, and there's another way where they're using um, a different, like, is it a metaphor or a simile? A metaphor, right? In that she's a girl, and they... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so she gets to be a meter maid while all the boys get to go out and do fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I love the fact that J.K. I wanted... Uh, Leodore, the mayor, the whole time to ask for pictures of Spider-Man. I know. I was waiting for him to be like, Merriweather, I want pictures of Spider-Man on my desk. Um, also, did you have the same thing that I thought, which was Clawhauser? I definitely thought he was played by Josh Gad the whole movie. Who, who was he played by? Oh, wait, do you think? Yeah, it's not. It's a guy named Nate Torrance. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, has he, has he ever been a professional Josh Gad impersonator? impersonator? Oh, wow, his last film was Zootopia, and after that he was de- He's not dead, right? No, okay, he's good. He's not dead, right? Yeah. Someone assassinated him after Zootopia for not being Josh Gad. Oh, shit, he was in Supernatural for an episode, too. As who? Uh, a guy named Sully in the episode Just My Imagination. Welcome to the official... <gasps> oh, shit. oh my gosh! He was Sam's imaginary friend! Wait, what? Yes! That's awesome! Welcome to the official Nate Torrance podcast! Yeah! <laughs> Nate, all Nate Torrance all the time. Oh man, now when I'm seeing him in live action, he looks like a... Um, uh, oh god, what's that dude's name? He looks like a uh, Nick Swartzen impersonator in real life. Yes, he does. So Nick Swartzen and Josh Gad had a baby, and out came this boy. Did you did you see pictures of him from Supernatural? Yeah, that's what I'm clicking on right now. That's what I'm looking at. And, oh no, I, yeah. I opened my history and Fox fucking a bunny came up, and now I think we just oh, need- god. We just you need to delete your history before the FBI agents watching your computer learn your fetishes. Yeah. Um, so, but I think that means we got to run out of this segment, B, unfortunately. But that means we could talk about Patreon.com slash a load of BS and just beg people for money. My favorite thing to do besides beg people for food. Exactly. Brenna wants food. Brenna need num num. And if you want to give her num num, just donate over at patreon.com slash a load of BS. And like, I think you can add a note and just put like, this is exclusively for Brenna's garlic bread. Oh, that would be so nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you can always go over there, help us out, donate every single little bit you can give helps, of course, over at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now, Brenna, I before we get into reading the fan fiction we've chosen from the community, I do have a quick question, which is how long did you have to go before you found one where the Nick and Judy ain't fucking? A lot a lot a, a long, long 
long time. Really long. Oh, yeah, that was my my favorite was earlier because I asked you about possibly doing an episode on the Kingsman movies in the future, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, that'd be cool." Also, there was a like a crossover of that in Zootopia, so I was like, "Oh hell yeah, I'm definitely gonna do this one." Nope. That, like in the title, it's just like Judy Wild, and I'm like, "No, no, no, you guys have fun." See, I didn't see that part. I just saw the crossover and I was like, I'm not even going to read that and just went on with my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so B, bring the fire. What have you got this week for me? All right, for this week, I have got something called Out of the Past and it's by Zamza8 and it is designed to fuck you up. So, okay. here we go. <laughs> Nick rubbed his bleary eyes. Want to get some coffee? One more cup of coffee and I'll exceed my target heart rate for the next 24 hours. Judy focused grimly on the road. I thought foxes were supposed to be nocturnal. That is a misconception based on the fact that we can see in the dark, said Nick loftily. Staying up late is one thing. Working all night is something else. He peered at the dashboard clock. At four in the morning, I like to be snug in my bed. I still can't believe the chief assigned us to the night shift just because I gave him a speeding ticket. Judy stopped at an empty intersection, scanned the streets, and proceeded on their patrol. You know perfectly well it wasn't because of the speeding ticket. It was because he had Gazelle with him, and you told him he should drive more carefully with a cute passenger. It was worth it just to see the look on his face. The fox chuckled, momentarily invigorated by the memory. Keep that in mind for the rest of the month, snapped the bunny. That's how long before we're back on days. Nick's retort was cut short by a deafening blast of sound accompanied by a gush of flame to his right. He flinched, reaching for the radio as Judy slammed on the brakes. Dispatch, this is car 51. All available units to Kochi Co Court. Explosion and fire. The radio crackled. Any victims? We're investigating now. The fox signed off and got out of the car, wincing at the heat. Judy joined him, the and they proceeded cautiously, stopping every few feet to scan with their flashlights. Sirens began to play in the distance, and Judy said re with relief, it doesn't look like anyone was here. Nick snapped off his flashlight as the first fire trucks arrived. I'll let dispatch know. He started for the police car and was almost bowled over by a big woodchuck running up to the fire. Hey, take it easy. The woodchuck was shouting incoherently, and Judy took him by the arm. Sir, you need to calm down. Nick grabbed the other arm, and they walked him over to their car, where he slid to the ground and put his head in his paws. I've only been gone an hour, he moaned. What could have happened? Judy bent down. You were here an hour ago? There was no response. Sir? Nick said sharply, Come on, snap out of it. Tell us what you know. What I know? Glassy eyes stared at the firefighters working on the blaze. I don't know anything. I just work here. What's your name? Nick's voice was insistent. Billy. Billy Wilson. The fox took a step back, visibly shaken. Judy waited for him to ask another question, then took over herself. Mr. Wilson, what do you do here? Wilson took a deep breath. I'm... I was the foreman on this project. I got a call from the owner. What's the owner's name? Adam Wuchek. This was a really big project, a whole office complex, and he called me. I, I thought it was strange to want to meet at three in the morning, but I'm living on site in a trailer. The woodchuck gestured vaguely at the firefighters dragging hoses through the rubble. It must be buried under there somewhere. If Mr. Wuchek hadn't wanted to see me, I'd be there too. He smiled wanly. Guess I got lucky. Judy smiled back. I guess you did. We're going to need a full statement, Mr. Wilson. Can you come with us to the police station? The woodchuck got shakily to his feet. All right. He was on Nick's side of the car, but the fox made no move to open the door for him, and after a moment, Judy opened the back door on her side, motioning him in and getting behind the wheel. Nick, 
The bunny called to the fox standing in the street, and for a moment he wondered if he heard her. Then he got in the car without a word, looking fixedly out the window as they left the scene of the fire. All right, Mr. Wilson, you just wait right here while I get a stenographer to take your statement. Judy showed the woodchuck into an interview room and pulled out a chair. Can I get you anything? Some coffee or something to eat? Wilson shook his head, and the bunny smiled reassuringly. I'll be as quick as I can. She left the room, closing the door and giving Nick a searching look. The fox had waited in the hall, and now she asked quietly, You want to tell me what's going on? Nothing, he murmured. Everything's just great. Nick, Judy put her little velvet paw on his arm. You've been out of it ever since you heard Mr. Wilson's name. She felt him shudder, and her voice turned stern. If something's wrong, you need to tell me. I don't want to handle this case by myself. I don't want to handle it at all. Nick's voice was almost inaudible. Judy frowned. Her first instinct was to demand answers, but all she said was, We can hand the case off, but you know department policy. We caught it. We're the lead for investigating it. Chief Bogo will want to know why we didn't want it. The fox had been staring at the floor, and now he raised his head, gazing at his partner with haunted eyes. You know about my problem with muzzles? The bunny nodded, and Nick said with difficulty, Billy Wilson is the one who gave it to me. He went back to staring at the floor while Judy thought of the gondola in the rainforest and Nick's story of how he had tried to join the Junior Ranger Scouts. He told it slowly, with so many pauses the night passed and the sun was coming up when he finally finished. Nick had talked of his dream of joining a pack. <laughs> what? Sorry, that just points out like one of the glaring problems with that like Because it's like a ten minute story and then it goes from nighttime to sunrise in like two seconds. But it says that he told it slowly and with a lot of pauses. Five hour pauses. <laughs> yes. I love that. Okay, keep going, keep going. Hateful. Um, Nick had, nope, yes. Nick had dreamed, talked of his dream of joining a pack, his pride in the uniform his mother somehow managed to buy for him, his excitement at going to his first meeting. He choked up when he spoke of the shock at discovering he wasn't wanted, was in fact hated so much he was beaten and muzzled like a dangerous wild animal and thrown out in the street. That night he determined never to let anyone get to him again, and for years no one had. He opened up to Judy because he came to see her as a friend, and then she betrayed him at the press conference, confirming his belief that no one would ever see him as anything but shifty and untrustworthy, that Nick could forgive her after she announced to the city that predators were going savage because of their biology was still a miracle to Judy, and her eyes filled with tears at the thought of him of finding him months later with her carrot pin still in his pocket. Nick, I'll go to Chief Bogo and tell him, well, I'll think of something to tell him. Let's just go home and forget this case ever happened. Nick looked up, smiling a little. You'd do that? Judy smiled back. In a minute. The fox shook his head. This thing has been hanging over me my whole life. Maybe instead of running away from it, I should just walk in there and give old Billy a piece of my mind. Maybe you should. The bunny pulled the door open, and after a long moment, Nick went into the interview room. Wilson jumped to his feet as the two police officers came in. I need to call Mr. Wuchok. He was expecting me, and now... Sit down. Nick's voice was calm but forceful, and the woodchuck blinked and dropped back into his chair. Before we get into what happened tonight, I think we should clear the air. The fox leaned against the table with an unpleasant expression. I doubt you remember me. I remember you, Nick, said Wilson softly. I read all about you when you helped break the Night Howler's case. It just made it so much worse after the Junior Ranger Scouts. Nick's paws clenched into fists, and Judy took a step forward. Then he relaxed. I imagine it must have been pretty bad for you, a fox helping to save the city. Must have been one of the worst days of your life. You got it all wrong, the woodchuck shook his head. I felt bad enough before about how I treated you. What you did for the city just made me feel worse. I wanted to find you and apologize for years. I 
should have come to you after you were in all the papers, but I just couldn't bring myself to face you. Nick frowned. You expect me to believe you're sorry for what you what you did? He leaned forward, both paws on the table, his teeth inches from Wilson's face. The woodchuck gazed steadily back, and after a moment, Nick pulled out a chair and sat down. Let's hear it, then. The fox leaned back, folding his arms. This should be good. Wilson paused to gather his thoughts. You remember how our Scots scoutmaster was a wolf, Peter McTyre? How could I forget? Nick's voice was disgusted. He's the one who recruited me. I thought it Troop with a wolf for a scoutmaster wouldn't have a problem with a fox. I thought I would fit right in. If it was up to Mr. McTyre, you would have, Wilson sighed. We didn't have a problem with predators. Some of us kids just didn't want a fox in the troop. So I called you up and told you the meeting had been changed from 6.30 to 5.30, and when you showed up, he fell silent. Don't stop there, said Nick bitterly. Don't you want to talk about the muzzle? Wilson swallowed hard. Mr. McTyre found it outside when he came to the meeting, and he didn't see anything about it. He just mentioned he was surprised you hadn't come, but we could never put anything over on him. He noticed me and the other kids acting weird when he wondered where you were, and the next meeting when you stare weren't there, he called us over and showed us the muzzle and asked about it. The woodchuck twisted his paws together. We tried to lie about it, but he wasn't buying it. He got the whole story out of us, and he called our parents in for a conference. Judy thought of how appalled Gideon Gray's parents had been when her father confronted them about him slashing her face. What did your parents do? Wilson's eyes were filled with shame. At first they couldn't believe it. Troop 914 was a nice pack. Nick snorted and the woodchuck said earnestly, We were, Nick. We really tried to live up to the Junior Ranger's oath of being brave and loyal and helpful and trustworthy. It meant a lot to us, he sighed. Mr. McIntyre explained, and our parents agreed that the only way to live up to the oath was to accept anyone who wanted to join the pack, even a fox. He tried calling your mom. He wanted to apologize and make it right, invite you back to the troop, but the phone was disconnected. Nick took a turn around the room and stopped by the door. My mother was killed by a drunk driver two weeks after that meeting. What? When your scoutmaster... Yeah, yeah. When your... <laughs> When your scoutmaster called, I was probably already in the system. Wilson hung his head. I'm sorry, Nick. I really am. Did they catch the animal who did it? The fox laughed mirthlessly. They didn't have to. After he ran my mother over, he wrapped himself around a telephone pole. All nice and neat, no loose ends, except for a kid nobody wanted. So after I got sent to an orphanage, that was that. He came back to the table. I guess that was that for your troop, too. Not hardly, Wilson set up straighter. You know how the Junior Ranger Scouts do community service and projects? Nick nodded and the woodchuck sighed. We always had plenty of free time after we got done with our requirements and projects, but our parents arranged more projects for us. We didn't have a minute to ourselves. They set up so many projects for us to pay for what we did, and that was on our own time, and we didn't get any credit for it with the troop. Must have been a rough week, said Nick sarcastically. Try a year and a half. Wilson smiled for the first time at the surprised look on the fox's face. We even built a little park in Fox Alley. Uh, I need some air. Nick went out the door. Duty started to follow her partner, then stopped and said quickly, Mr. Wilson, we do still need your statement. Do you mind waiting? No. The woodchuck slumped in his chair. Take as long as you want. The end. Why would you do this to me? Because I... What? No. <laughs> You killed my mama and my daddy. You've killed them both now. I had to make it a perfect set, Scotty. I can't just leave one hanging. <laughs> I'm next. You realize this. Yeah, just wait. Oh, man. Also, while you were doing that, I looked up if anybody had made a shirt that said Nikki, Nick and Judy's Infinite Playlist, and they have like that's a missed opportunity. That's sweet. Yeah. I know. It's really sweet. So that was your horrifying, terrible thing. 
And let's get on to mine by a fun person called Castle Arcade. And it's apparently two friends known as Robert and Dylan. And what they kind of like to do is take movie series or shows that have ended and just say, what if they kept going? For instance, Rocky 25, where Rocky fights Emperor Palpatine. Oh, God. But, Brenna, instead, I'm going to take you onto uh, where they decided to get a little bit better. Like, go, go bigger. And it's where they decided to write all of the fictional season 10 of Everybody Loves Raymond. What? And... Oh, no, no, it gets better. Um, actually, no, they started season 11 as well. But, so, um, in this universe where everything could happen, this is not, I'm just going to give you a little, get us up to where we're going to start at. Uh, Ray Romano lives with Harley Quinn now. I don't know why, but then all of a sudden, Kim Possible shows up, and now Kim Possible's living with them. And then one day, Harley Quinn and Ray Romano decide to take a trip to the zoo. And uh, and I guess that's where they meet Judy. I've not read them. I'm just assuming that's where they meet Judy. And Judy ends up living with them. And also in the middle of this, uh, Frank Castle, also known as the Punisher, he has a target, a new target. And his target is Ray Romano. I'm so confused. So this is the season finale of epi- of season 10 of Everybody Loves Raymond. Season 10, episode 9. It's called With a Bang. <laughs> what is happening? We're watching Everybody Loves Raymond. Brenna, don't you see it? Don't you see the fun intro where the mom and the the grandma and the granddad are trying to run over to the house and Ray doesn't want them to. Okay, let's get... <laughs> Season 10, Episode 9, with a bang, written by Robert and Dylan. Harley was holding Ray's dead body in her arms as she looked around. <laughs> as she looked around. Everybody! Everybody get in here! She shouted. It wasn't long before Kim Possible and Judy Hopps ran from the garage and into the living room. They gasped at the sight. What happened? Kim asked. I'm here for a day and this happens? Judy said. There was another shot through the window that grazed Harley's shoulder. Yowza! Harley yelped and hid behind the couch. Well, I guess that explains that. They heard something come through the window, landing on the floor. Holy explodey, Harley shouted, seeing a grenade roll towards them. She kicked it away before it exploded, destroying the TV and part of the wall facing the shooter. What are we going to do? Judy asked. Here, Harley said, pulling a shotgun from under the couch. I've got guns stashed all over the place. You grab something too, Kimmy. She then tossed the shotgun to Judy. How am I going to hold this? Judy asked. Like a shotgun, (laughs) duh. Harley said, rolling towards the front door, grabbing a pistol from behind a hat rack. She kicked open the door to see that a claymore was placed at the doorstep. Holy viet, not boom! Harley was blown back, crashing hard onto the floor close to Kim. Kim pulled her back into cover. Harley, come on! Harley, wake up! Come on! Kim shook Harley, trying to get her conscious. 
Ray sat in the living room. This isn't bold, so this is important. <laughs> Ray sat in the living room, his thumb casually channel surfing. He wasn't really even paying attention to anything that was on. All he could think of was Deborah. Ray had been married for quite a number of years to Deborah. She had always been loving and supportive, able to put up with his family, and always had warm food. Well, I suppose it qualified as food on the table. She had been invited by a rich philanthropist named Tony to come work for him and to be a major piece in his business. It required her to move away, so after much discussion, she took the kids and left Ray all alone. He had this empty feeling. It was a combination of loneliness and hunger, and it wasn't going away. Harley slowly opened her eyes. Ray? she asked. What? No! Kim shouted. Snap out of it, she said, shooting in the direction of the shooter. Harley sat back up. Her shoulder was bleeding, and thanks to the explosion, she was far from 100%. Harley picked up her gun and ran towards the back door. Keep them busy, you two, she said, sneaking out of the back door. She took a deep breath and sprinted behind a couple of houses and got across the street. It didn't take long to spot where the shooter was. He was lying on a hill with a sniper rifle, a strong, grizzled guy who obviously knew what he was doing. Harley got behind him and waited for him to reload. Gotcha! She shouted and jumped onto his back. Harley was abnormally strong for her size and build. The man grunted and tried to fight, but she was too fast for him. She managed to get his, uh, his hands tied behind his back. She was sure to give him a few punches for good measure. Now, who are you, and why did you kill my Ray? She shouted. A warm breeze swept across Ray's face. He was taking a walk down to the store to pick up the latest Sports Illustrated. Everywhere he looked, he saw her. He continued walking, almost in a haze. He walked by the store and just kept walking. Then he heard something. A high female voice. So, you're the Punisher? I think I heard of you before, but tell me, what did Ray do to deserve any punishing? Her Harley asked. A wide range of emotions were on her face. You know why, Harleen Quinzel, the Punisher replied. Harley looked uneasy. He's just as guilty as you are. Letting you live with him after all you've done. How many innocent lives did you take, Harleen? He glared at her. Harley glared back. I'll have you know that I gave all that up. I ain't killed anybody that didn't have it coming lately. The Punisher's face never changed. It's too late for you to change, he said. His hands were working on the rope that Harley tied him with. It wasn't the first time he made a mistake and got captured. Then I guess I gotta kill you, Harley said, holding a gun against his head. Go ahead and try, he said. Before she could pull the trigger, he got loose, tackling her to the floor. They were throwing punches at each other, but nobody would give. They were both strong, but not strong enough to take each other out. They were going through the room, grabbing whatever they could to throw at one another. Harley took a vase, smashed it over his head, and he barely even reacted to it. He grabbed her and put her through the coffee table. Oof! <laughs> Harley grunted. It was getting hard to move. The Punisher moved over and pulled out a knife. This is what you deserve. This is what he deserved. He said, moving the knife to her throat. Harley closed her eyes. This was it. And then there was a loud bang. The weight of the Punisher was laying on top of Harley, and he wasn't moving. Huh? What happened? Harley asked, pushing him off of him. Then she saw Judy Hopps sitting there looking terrified. Smoke was coming from the shotgun. I, I, I got him. I did it, Judy said in disbelief. Harley picked up Judy and gave her a tight hug. Judy, oh, I know you can do it. 
Her expression quickly changed to sad. But what do we do about Ray? She asked, looking at Ray's body. Get out of here, guys! A woman's voice yelled. Ray looked and saw black smoke rolling out of the top of a building and flames everywhere. The pet store where he bought his daughter his first or her first gerbil was on fire. A woman came running with a load of pup with an armload of puppies and collapsed to the ground. Ray ran over to her. What? What? What do I need to do? Oh my God! Lady, lady, are you awake? This is me, Ray Romano. <laughs> you know from television. <laughs> he looked in. He looked into the inferno. It looked like all the animals had been rescued except for a cage full of kittens, their little paws scratching to get out before the flames could get to them. Ray forgot about his troubles and ran in. He grabbed the kittens and escaped. Hey, lady! Lady, I got the cats! I mean, I think one of them bit me, but I got him. The girl looked up at him. You? You saved them? Who, who are you anyways? Ray, Ray replied. The name's Ray. She smiled. Well, nice to meet you, Mr. Ray. Harley had no idea what to do. She stepped outside. The house was ruined. A big hole where the wall should be. No door. The furniture, furniture, the furniture was ruined. Furniture. The furniture. She walked. <laughs> Brenna, it's about to get buck wild. I just want you to know. She I mean, already. <laughs> she walked over to the house next door and knocked. And you may come. Said a oh, voice behind good the door. God. Harley walked in and collapsed onto the floor. I don't know what to do, Master Yoda, she said, out of breath, still bleeding from the previous fight. <laughs> I, I forgot about this next line. Help you, I will try. Speak, Harley, Yoda said as he unwrapped a Slim Jim. <laughs> Why can't Yoda enjoy a Slim Jim? I just love this concept of, like, this old wizened Jedi just like, mm, snap into a Slim Jim, I will. He takes a bite of the of the meat. Mmm. Ray's dead. Can you help me get him back with your weird mumbo jumbo? She asked. Mumbo jumbo, it is not. The force it is. He took another bite, closing his eyes. Mmm. Well, what's the forcey thing telling you? Something good? Wait. He slowly chewed as he opened another Slim Jim, and then he looked surprised. Oh. Oh, my. It's starting to sound like Ray Romano. <laughs> what? What? What is it? She asked. Die, you have to, Yoda said, taking another bite. <laughs> Wait, what? What do you mean I gotta die? Harley asked. Come to an end, your life must. Then Ray, you will find, Yoda said. So I gotta die and get Ray out of the afterlife and pull him into the, into the right now life? <laughs> Yoda, gro Yoda groaned after he took two bites finishing the Slim Jim. Well, all right if it's what I gotta do, Harley said. Thanks, Yoda, she said, hurrying back to the house. Jody, good news! You gotta kill me! Harley happily said. What? Judy Hops asked in shock. No way, I just saved your life and you want me to kill you? Harley spent a few minutes explaining what Yoda had told her. 
So will you do me a solid and knock the life out of me? She asked with a smile. Well, I guess so. But if you don't come back, I don't know what I'll do, Judy said. Ah, don't worry, I'll be back before you know it, Harley winked. I'll make sure you get me in one shot, though. I've been shot plenty of times, and it don't feel so good. All right, hold still, Judy said, struggling to aim the shotgun at Harley. Harley closed her eyes. Bang! To be continued in Season 11. Oh my god. <laughs> Something about the theme song makes it so much better. <laughs> so, Britta, that was my fanfiction this week. I'm so disappointed in you. It's not, it's written very well. It's just like they were like, it is. They're like, we want to take all the characters. It's a clusterfuck. I really want to see what happens, like, as it goes on next. Like, I kind of want to see where it goes through. Well, you can read it and let me know, but do not bring that on this podcast ever again. What? What if we have, like, we do Suicide Squad and I have to tell you what happened after Harley Quinn died to go save Ray Romano? I don't... <laughs> hard, hard pass. No, no, thank you. Hard pass. Hard pass. Um, But you know what I never hard pass on, Brenna? What do you never hard pass on, Scott? All of our lovely t-shirts over at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. That's where you can get merch for all your favorite BS Network shows, whether that be Opposite Attractions, Fight Boys, A Load of BS, or, of course, Fun Fiction. And I'm actually starting to design just kind of normal BS Network, like, general stuff. Like, I made one the other day that says we do not negotiate with pessimists that I'm really excited about. And then, of course, you can get your Fun Fiction merch all over there, ladies and gentlemen. It's super soft. It's super awesome, and every single little bit of it will help support these lovely podcasts. So if you want to support us and get a cool shirt out of it, go over to merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Now, B, let's get into my fan fiction, where Ray Romano... No, uh... No, I will kill you. (laughs) And it's not Get Out as much as I wanted to. I I had an idea a few days ago, and it was... um, it was if uh, Nick pretended to be Rorschach from The Watchmen. But then I realized that that wouldn't work at all, but I still loved it, so I wrote it anyway. Oh my god, Scotty. Um, it's okay, it's okay. So let's just get into it, because it's actually it's pretty lengthy this week. This city deserves justice, and I'm the one to bring it to them. I'm the darkness that cries out in the night. The scum of this town will beg for mercy, and I shall cry back, no. This voice was coming from underneath the cowl of a slender creature standing atop one of Zootopia's major buildings. He was sporting a slick black suit with a black mask covering his face, only two eye holes to reveal the reddish fur underneath. He holds his cape high to the sides and jumps off the side, sailing into the night. Well, actually... He sailed only a few feet before plummeting into the bushes below. He coughed up various bits of fauna as he made his way out of the foliage, checking for any cuts or bruises. Oh my word, are you alright? A voice called as Officer Judy Hopps came running up to the man. She helped him to his feet before scoffing, Nick? Nick, is that you? 
no, no, I'm, I'm not Nick. I have no idea who that intelligent, handsome <laughs> fox could possibly be. Nick replies from underneath the cowl, attempting to hide his embarrassment. I am the terror that cries out in the night. I am the Furminator. Oh, no. The... The Furminator? Judy asks with a raised eyebrow as Nick puts on a pose, attempting to hide his eyes from her. She smirks and turns to walk away. Well, Mr. Furminator, I've actually got to go off. I was going to invite my friend Nick out for some pizza, but... Oh, no, no, I'll go, I'll go! Nick immediately drops the act, even even removing his mask as he runs to catch up with Judy. Why are you wearing that dumb thing anyways? Judy asks as they cross the street. You're a police officer. You don't have to play superhero anymore. I'm not playing anything, Carrots. I'm just saying maybe this town needs somebody who can do things that the police can't. I mean, maybe I could be that guy. Nick, that's dangerous thinking and you know it. Judy responds as the neon sign for the pizza place glows in the distance. I mean, if I didn't know you, I'd have to arrest you for being a vigilante. I mean, Nick, you could really end up hurting somebody out there. Or even hurting yourself. Hops, you know I'd never hurt a fly. Nick responds when suddenly he looks down a nearby alley to see two weasels with their backs turned. His years on the streets let Nick know when a deal was going down. I mean... I mean, are we really doing this, man? The weasel asked his compatriot as they looked down at their goods, a large gym bag filled with their loot. I mean, we have no idea who this guy is or what he even wants. I mean, they say he's a psychopath. They say, ZPD, put your hands against the wall. Judy cried as the weasels turned to see themselves cornered in the alleyway. The more ner nervous of the duo immediately rushed to the wall, nearly embracing it. The other smiled so slightly. Look. Coppers, you ain't got nothing on us. The weasel responds as Judy draws a weapon. Hey, hey, we was just coming back from the gym, okay? <laughs> and we decided to stop off in this alley for a little rest. Right. Nick smirks as he walks over to the bag and gives it a small sniff. Whoo, buddy, that's one heck of a gym funk you got there. Matter of fact, it actually... It smells like... Nick unzips the bag to reveal dozens of nightshade, <gasps> the drug that nearly wiped out the predator population of Zootopia. Nick doubles back in horror as Judy steps in, hoping to help her friend. Get on the ground now! That is a Class A illegal substance. You have the right to remain silent. Everything you say hops. Nick quietly comments as he looks up onto the rooftop above. A terrifying creature is peering down at them, a metallic mask covering his face. Judy continues to read the two weasels their rights, despite Nick's best efforts. Hops, move! It seems Judy began paying attention just in time as she quickly doubled back as the beast quickly pounced down off the rooftop. It immediately grabs the nightshade and Judy attempts to sta stand to stop it, but is quickly smacked away by its glove, which featured three long metal blades. Nick tried to step in as well, but is blasted against the wall. The beast had insane strength despite its smaller size. Both officers make one last attempt to apprehend the creature, but are violently tossed against the wall, blacking out. As they awaken, daybreak seems to be rising. They awake with a start and rush towards headquarters. They knew whoever got that nightshade was a dangerous man. They remembered what happened the last time. 
And unfortunately, they would soon get an even more violent reminder of what happened with the last Nightshade outbreak as they entered the ZPD. As they discovered a rabid Officer Clawhauser staring at them, red liquid dripping from his fangs. Clawhauser, no! Judy yells until he leans down and continues to eat from the box of jelly donuts in front of him. Despite everything, he still had an appetite for sweets. Nick smirks at the big cat as they enter, grabbing a jelly donut for his own. That was mine! Clawhauser screams and quickly begins to lash out against Nick. Judy quickly pulls Wild away, but then notices a small dart sticking out of the officer's neck. A dart that she can only assume was once filled with that terrifying ichor that made a good predator go primal. The duo quickly rush away from Clawhauser, but find a terrifying sight waiting inside. Chief Bogo was staring at them, stomping his foot. His breath was hot as he stared bullets into the two, his stomps getting louder and quicker. Nick looks at Judy, who quietly asks, Chief Bogo? With that question, the massive buffalo came barreling down the hallway at the two, attempting to spear them with his massive horns. Nick and Judy realize it's too late as they notice the same dart sticking out of Bogo's neck. They rush outside in a panic and quickly attempt to commandeer a nearby cop car, noticing a horrifying sight flying over Zootopia. It was that same creature, but now in a helicopter, flying high above the streets and firing those darts into every predator he could see. Yeah, I uh, I think we're going to need something better than a car, Carrots, Nick comments as they both stare at each other nervously. Moments later, our heroes find themselves flying high above Zootopia in a ZPD chopper. Nick controls the flying machine with all the grace of a baby bird just pushed out of the nest. Judy, meanwhile, is attempting to get eyes on the beast who continues to terrorize the town. As she finally gets a beat on him, she feels the chopper lurch forward violently. Nick, have some control! I'm not the one you need to be telling that to, Carrots. He responds, causing Judy to stare out at the side of the helicopter to see numerous predators launching themselves towards the copter from skyscrapers, trying to bring down the duo. Nick attempts to evade them until a fierce lion, previously known as the city dentist, leaps for the copter's rudder. The the chopper begins spinning wildly out of control, and Nick attempts a safe landing as Judy peers out of the window, watching the masked beast's every action. Next thing Judy felt was a crash, glass pouring down onto her fur in the most intense pain she had ever felt. As her vision faded in and out, she saw Nick going to battle with the various predators. She tried to stand, but quickly blacked out, her leg giving way and forcing her to fall to the concrete. The young bunny awakes later with a start, several minutes later, staring up at a bright fluorescent light bulb. She panics, attempting to stand, but is quickly held down by Nick. Carrots! Carrots! It's okay! Calm down! It's okay! It's okay? She screams as she looks down at the state of herself, dressed in a gown, her leg in a cast. I'm in a hospital! My leg is broken, and that psycho is still out there making people go primal! Okay, uh, when you put it that way... Get out of here, Nick. She responds, causing Nick to look up. You need to get out of Zootopia. That guy is a psychopath, and the police... We... We can't do anything to stop him. So, 
You're saying this isn't a job for the police? Nick asks, causing Judy to nod solemnly until she thinks about what that means. Wait a minute, Nick, Nick, no, no, no! But it was too late. Judy wasn't staring at Nick anymore, but the Furminator. Nick pulls on his mask as Judy groans. Are you insane? This isn't some game of dress-up, Nick. There are lives on the line here. You need a plan. Look, I've got a plan. He responds while loading his belt with various small pellets. I've got antidote right here. I take out any predators along the way and I track him to the jungle. How did you know he's in the jungle? That's all you kept muttering in your little coma there. You just kept saying, jungle, 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 over and over again. Looks like you're a decent cop even when you're in a coma. Yeah, well, she attempts to get out of the bed, but Nick quickly puts her back down. Nick, you can't do this on your own. You need a partner. Oh, don't worry, Carrots. He smirks as he looks at the doorway behind him. I got a partner. Come on, rat boy. With that, Nick's old partner in crime, Finnick, enters, wearing a bright red and yellow outfit, a rat adorning the chest. I hate you, man. Finnick comments as Nick rushes to give Judy a hug before going out. Please be safe out there, and don't do anything stupid. Yeah, you know I can't promise that. See you, Carrots. Soon after, Nick and Finnick, a.k.a. the Furminator and Rat Boy, find themselves slowly making their way throughout the forest, attempting to find the lair of the mysterious creature. Man, I thought these costumes were supposed to be stealthy, Finnick yells as he looks down at his brightly colored costume once again. They are! I'm stealthy, and you're a distraction. Nick comments when suddenly they come upon a massive group of predators guarding a small shack. You know... I feel like the massive amount of guards really gives away where the place is at. Finnick's leg suddenly catches on a branch, causing him to stumble and fall. This quickly gains the attention of all the predators who begin rushing towards the duo. Hey, hey man, you get inside. I'll take care of them. Finnick cries as he pulls out two guns loaded with antidote. He begins shooting up the group of predators, diving across the bridge as Nick stealthily crawls across to the door of the shack. When the coast is clear, he jumps in and slams the door shut behind him. He breathes heavily as perspiration beads on the inside of his mask. Nice of you to join me. A voice calls from across the room. Look, Nick looks up to see that beast, but he seemed surprisingly civil. The beast slowly removes its mask and places it on a nearby table. You know, you don't need that mask anymore. I know exactly who you are, Mr. Wilde. I certainly appreciated your efforts in the court case against Mayor Bellwether to turn the tides in favor of predators, but it suddenly, it suddenly didn't work out perfectly, did it? What are you talking about? Nick asks nervously, hand-playing with the gun containing the antidote. We all... He picks up the mask and slowly places it in front of his face. We all have to wear masks now, don't we? We have to pretend that we're these happy, civilized people. We have to hide our basis of instincts. I mean, Nick, you, of all people, you should understand what I'm trying to accomplish here. We predators, we should be ruling this city, but instead we're relegated to bit 
pots, small jobs, we should be kings. Then why are you forcing them to go primal? Nick asks as the beast laughs, slowly removing his mask to reveal the face of an old white wolf, face scarred and bloodied. Because it's who we are, Nicholas. We are beasts. We are conquerors, and we've all forgotten that. Even you. You. You play sidekick to a bunny. You've forgotten who you are, Nicholas. All I'm asking is for you to remove the mask. And with that, he quickly pulls a gun from his hip, sending a canister of nightshade flying into Nick's body. The young fox immediately begins to panic, reaching for the antidote around his waist, but the white wolf quickly grabs him by the arm, tossing it away. Let it take over, Nicholas. Become what you are destined to be. You know I'm right. You know what I'm saying is true. You... You... Nick's face contorts in pain as the nightshade takes hold before his pupils suddenly shrink as he bares his teeth. You just made the worst mistake of your life. And with that, Nick began a vicious assault on that wolf, beating him across that small shack that they currently inhabited. The wolf attempted to fight back, but Nick was too strong, slamming him against walls, bashing his skull against the glassware, before finally pinning him against a windowsill, rain pouring in from the outside. Nick! Nick, please! You don't know what you're doing! No. You don't know what you're doing! Nick bends down and attempts to lift the wolf over his head, preparing to toss him out the window to fall to his death. His muscles bulge as he growls with fury when suddenly he feels a sharp pain strike the back of his neck. He collapses to the ground as in the doorway stood Judy Hopps, a crutch under one arm and the antidote in the other. Nick's pupils slowly widen as the wolf laughs, slowly approaching the bunny. Oh, thank you so much, Officer Hops. You saved me. You saved me from that animal, and now I can complete my plan. I can destroy every last one of you small pieces of prey and rebuild this world with an army of predators. We shall rule starting today. Actually, I've got dinner plans later. Could we do it Thursday? Officer Clawhauser comments as suddenly the room is filled with the various predators all inoculated with the night with the nightshade serum. What? What's going on? They aren't like you. They aren't animals. Nick calls out as he joins Judy, blood pouring from a cut on his forehead. Well, I mean, technically they are animals, but eh, you know what I mean. And with that, the wolf was taken into custody, and doctors immediately began work on a nightshade immunization shot that all citizens of Zootopia would be forced to take. Meanwhile, Judy and Nick? Well, they had some unfinished business to take care of. You know, I, I don't see how my ancestors did it. Meat's just a lot better this way. Nick comments as he takes a massive bite out of a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> Judy laughs. Judy laughs as Chief Bogo gives him a weary glance from munching on pepperoni. What? It's tofu. So, was I right? 
Nick asks after a few moments of munching. Maybe the Furminator does have a place down here after all. I mean, I had to do what no other person could do. I had to step in when the police weren't enough. And then the police had to step in when you weren't enough. So you're saying the light was a bad investment? Nick asks nervously. Light? Judy asks when suddenly a bright beam of light shines across the sky, featuring the silhouette of the Furminator's mask. Finnick laughs as he holds the spotlight proudly as Judy sighs, her head falling into her hands. Sorry, Carrots. He comments with a smile as he quickly pulls out his gym bag, which contained his costume. He slings his cape over his shoulder with a smirk. Duty calls. <laughs> the end. That was very good. Probably my favorite so far, I think. Aw, thank you. I dig it. Much better than <laughs> the ones I was trying to find for today. No, I think that was probably the best thing that that ever was, man. Never do this voice again, ever. I'm Ray Romano. Oh my god. Mm. I want a scene of nothing but Yoda and Ray Romano talking to each other and see how bad it destroys my voice. I'm going to learn witchcraft and take away your voice so you don't have to. No. Okay, so Brenna, it's been an episode. What did you learn this week, my girl? I learned uh, to not write a fanfiction with Ray Romano and Yoda in it because somebody named Scotty will find it and read it on a podcast and make someone else named Brenna extremely crazy. Yeah. That's it. Also, I just now realized what, what I learned this week was oops, what I learned this week is a BS segment, not a fun fiction segment. My bad. Um, so, oh! Yeah. It's late. It's late. It's really late. But, Brenna, where can they find you on the internet, my girl? Look me up at Brenasaur, B R E N N A S A U R on any of the good social medias out there. That's right. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That's S C O T T Y E M O. If you like my writing, if you like hearing about it, make sure to go pick up the Quasel Corp trilogy on Amazon. It's my first trilogy of novels. And then, of course, there's BS versus the Gods that I also worked on. And then, of course, if you like hearing me say things in the whole book format, <laughs> You like hearing me read things go to audible get a free 30-day trial of audible and you can get quizzle corp the original one or quizzle corp risen the bs versus the gods audiobook is going to be coming out very very soon as well so make sure to check that out and check out the other bs network programs while you're at it at a load of pure bs.com check out fight boys if you like pro wrestling opposite attractions if you like theme parks and of course a load of bs if you just like hearing two best friends be terrible people for an hour and then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, always remember to support us. Pick up some merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com or donate to the Patreon, patreon.com slash aloadofbs. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to rate on iTunes, subscribe, do all of that fancy stuff. But until next time, Brenna... Stay away from baby Hitler. Yeah, and the Finnick, and Finnick Fox Hitler. And Finnick Fox Hitler. Yeah. <laughs>